welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. My name is Andrew. And today we're going to talk about... Projects. Projects. Quarantine slash self-isolation slash social slash physical distancing projects. Basically, we're all stuck at home. Yep. Or, I mean, I guess stuck is, you know, a state of stuck mind. Stuck is a, it's a strong term. Yeah. It really depends that. on the perspective you've got. Yeah, especially when it's when it's your home. There, you know, not everyone's homes are good and safe places. This is sh- for sure. But um, I think Andrew, you and I are lucky in that our homes are havens. Indeed, I rather like my oh. home. I do too. Though I, I gotta say, like knowing that you have a kid who's you know round about my niece's age, I watched her all day yesterday. And t- to be clear, she was quite easy. She. Didn't pitch a fit. She cried when her mom left her. She's like three and a half. Well, three and some change. Yeah, and she stopped crying as soon as she saw the frozen coloring books I got her and the sticker packs and the toy. Uh, So, and then she was, yeah, she was easy, but it was just like constant. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, major props to everybody right now uh, with their kids around all the time trying to keep them entertained patience grace and uh and extra portions of both of those uh maybe not putting the strictest limitations on screen time depends on what you've got the bandwidth for but i I definitely definitely feel that mood pretty heavy right now yeah man so um i guess what's new with you well, so what's new with me is that I've been working from home last couple of weeks, and that's both been a blessing and a curse because it's been super, super strange to be like, wake up, grab a cup of coffee, and I'm at work. Because usually mm-hmm. like my routine is wake up and um, shower and get dressed in um, the attire for my workplace is business casual. So, um, which isn't that, that dressy, but got to make sure that my shirt isn't wrinkly and, um, grab a cup of coffee, grab the car keys, rolling out, make sure I didn't leave anything that I wasn't supposed to leave at home. Sometimes my laptop comes home with me and, um, Mm, right. I haven't done it at this job, but my last job, I definitely had that moment of got to work, opened up my bag and went, Oh no, Uh, my laptop's still sitting on my home desk. Hey boss, I'll be back in an hour. Sorry. And I I haven't done that one, but I have um, more than once left my phone at home during a work day, mm. and that's that's just weird. Like it's not an essential thing, but it does make you feel slightly disconnected. You know, I used to do this thing when I was in college, and probably wasn't the safest thing. Uh, but I mean, I wasn't too worried about the little college town I was in. But I would just like leave my phone in my apartment, and then just like mm-hmm. go out for like a long walk, and just like not have it but yeah. i'd also usually do this like late evening like 10 11 p.m walking around the city by myself so you said sleepy college town though well well maybe not sleepy but like a college i don't know like i feel like that if you can't do that i don't know you're also a guy yeah i think that's probably more of what was going through my head if i kind of just did that and wasn't really that worried about it I just knew which neighborhood lines not to cross if I wanted to be safe. Yeah. But that's fair. 
But yeah, working from home, uh, welcome to the club. It is joyful. It is weird. Um, I like my lunches a lot more. Um, you know, yeah. that's where I, I, you know, I get free food when I'm at work in the office. Um, so I usually get breakfast and lunch. And so I'm realizing like, one, how expensive like that benefit is. Yeah. Like having 10 meals a week, just taking care of, they just kind of show up in the community uh, the community area. I'm like, Oh, food. Yeah. Uh, and, and two, just how, I mean, all of the above. I mean, that's just really nice. And so having to wake up and like, Oh wait, I never made myself breakfast this morning. Can I afford to step away from the laptop for 15 minutes to make some toast real quick? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's been, it's been weird. Like it's, it's, I've got more freedom and yet I've got less freedom all at the same time because I'm finding myself like carrying my little work phone around with me to make sure I don't miss a notification if I have to step out of the room real quick. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, it's just a very different dynamic. I feel almost kind of tethered down, but the flip side is that means my, e my commute's gone. My evenings um, are a little bit more freed up and because we have nowhere to go anyways, I've just been slowly chiseling away at project work, which, yeah. uh, um, I don't necessarily have to get into right now, but, uh, we can, we can kind of draw that one out a little bit, have a little bit of fun, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to get, I'm feeling myself being a little bit more productive than I typically tend to be. So, yeah, I mean, I, there are days where I'm like, yeah, I'm hella productive. And then there are days where just like the depression washes over me and I'm like, I, I've just been staring at a computer screen for a while. It's like. So, you know, I'm like in marketing, I'm, uh, do a lot of freelance writing. Uh, so not, there are days where my work is not really on, uh, any sort of deadline. And then there are days where I'm on hard deadlines and I haven't been on a hard deadline since like last week. Uh, so, well, the week before the week preceding us recording this. Uh, so like this past week, there were days where I was just like, I feel very sad and, uh, just wasn't productive. And I just have to, you know, it's okay to not be your most productive during very weird, stressful times that have, have, all, have not happened in any of our lifetimes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, but, uh, that's not what's really new with me. I mean, I've always worked from home and. I've always gotten, you know, anxiety and the blues. Uh, but uh, as far as if we want to talk about new gear, I have a, a very tiny little new thing. It's a the it's a, a Moyo volume pedal. Yeah. And uh, so I bought this little Moyo volume pedal because they were on sale, and I've been kind of eyeing them for a while. Mm -hmm. They are so shockingly small. Like they're not they're not the size of a DOD, but I uh, like the DOD Mini Volume and Expression. I think the taper on them is this is a lot better. Uh, it's longer, but I think it's skinnier and flatter, um, and it's a uh, passive, so that's not going to take any more power away on my rig. Um, but they're really well spoken of, and they seem to be well regarded in the pedal steel community. Mm -hmm. And since my um, my Mission Volume pedal is always on my Sunday Crush board uh i i don't usually take it off for the pedal steel so now i have a nice little passive pedal for the pedal steel or i can um i can switch them around and put the teenier one on my on my on my sunday crush board but uh 
I reached out to you, I think, within five minutes of, of, of uh, obtaining this pedal uh, to see if I could get a Fox Cairo topper. You did. And, and uh, uh, it got delivered yesterday. I'm just because I think this is what everyone's doing now. I'm waiting 24 hours to open it because that's the length of time COVID-19 can live on a cardboard. Smart. Um, I made sure but, to cough on the box a whole lot of extra times. Okay, good. Good. Really and putting that, that theory to test. Yeah. And then I taped over it to seal in the COVID-19 that I probably have. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but you sent me pictures and who did the design work on it? Uh, my friend and uh, uh, his name's Aaron Schmidt. He does some excellent design work. He's incredibly quick, efficient, and just the quality of what he's done is really, really exciting. And I'd actually really love to talk about more what I'm doing um, with Fox Cairo at some point in the episode. But yeah, no, Aaron yeah, did sure. a phenomenal job. He, I, I, I messaged him and say, hey, Emily wants a design. What do you think? Um, here's exactly what I've got. Any clarifying questions? And like almost like within the hour, like instantaneous, like boom, boom, boom. Nice. Yeah. It's um, it's a reference to my uh, favorite band, The Hold Steady. At the end of every show, the singer Craig Fenn gives this little spiel, and he always says, and the crowd always says with him now, uh, "There is just so much joy in what we do up here." And uh, so it, the 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 topper has the words "so much joy," and then the background is confetti because we throw confetti in, at Hold Steady shows, and uh, it. I'm glad I went that route with uh, something joyful because uh, we need to remember uh, that there can still be so much joy in what we do. Oh, definitely. I thought it was really neat and put a smile on my face to see that while I was building it out and sending it to you. Yeah. So that's basically, I mean, all that's new with me. Well, well, don't forget that I also included... um... I finally returned the SM57 I borrowed for Nam. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, I haven't opened the box yet, so I don't know what's in the box. <laughs> uh, so that's in the box. And then I, I put a pedal in there as well for you to play around with. Right. The flashback mini? Uh, no. Ego mini. Alter Ego, uh, the V2. So it's still just a single size. Um, so pretty similar to the flashback and form factor, but much better algorithms in my humble opinion. Um, I got to play around with it a little bit, was having a lot of fun, but decided it didn't kick anything off of my board build. So I, uh, I'm going to continue to try and trade in and trade up with that guy. That's one of the two pedals that I got off the last round of trade and trade up. Oh, that's right. Cause you were trying to trade for something that I have that you've wanted for a while. That may be true. And I, but the flip side is I also knew that I wasn't going to be playing with it and I was had room in the box. And so I just decided to throw it in there. I swear oh. I'm not trying to guilt you into forcing a trade. <laughs> it is a bit of a, the one that you want is a bit of a redundant pedal with me since I have the boss um, MD 200. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about it. All right. I, definitely have to, I have to fill in the demo of the, the thing that you want first, just to have that content. Right. Yeah. Oh, another thing that's new for me is uh, I made my own coffee this morning. Nice. Normally Rick does it, but he was on a walk this morning when I woke up. And I was like, oh, no, I have like seven minutes before I start recording with Andrew. What can I make? And we have the those speedy hot water boilers. I'm like, ah, French press. 
French press can be seven minutes. So I made a, actually, I'm really proud of this coffee. It tastes great. Yeah. Coffee is one of my other like uh, pet rocks that I'm picking up again. Um, I started calling like these little, um, these quarantine projects, my pet rocks. Um, coffee is one of them. I've got three cast iron pans and I went to go, um, like re-season one of them and I accidentally baked the seasoning off. Oh no. And, but I'm like, well, I can either look at this as a complete and total failure, which it could look at it that way, or I could look at this as a great excuse. And I'm like, how I, it's just a lodge pan and lodge pans tend to not have the smoothest surface on the inside. Um, but there are ways. That's kind of the point, isn't it? Well, no. So the ideally you get a really smooth surface, you season it and then you've got like a really slick nonstick surface. Right. No, I thought the seasoning, I thought you were supposed to season it. I I thought the point of cast iron was that it, you know, it's not like super smooth, like stainless steel, but with the seasoning, it gets to be nonstick. Right. Well, so there's a happy balance that you can have because it's the steel is always going to be slightly porous. Um, but whether or not it's going to have some more of those little, um, uh, how, how smooth it is at the bottom while still being porous. Divots. Uh, Yeah. And those little things do make a difference. And so I've seen things about like get like using a wire brush attachment on a drill. I've seen, uh, using, uh, like wet sanding with sandpaper and steel wool and all these kinds of things. Just kind of like steel wool. No, 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 no. Steel wool's not going anywhere near my cast iron. Well, I already baked off the seasoning, so it's not like I'm going to damage. I mean, there's not no seasoning left to damage. So all, right. all I'm looking to do is like really smooth out and um, the bottom of it before I attempt another reseason. Cool. But just, I mean, it's pet rock projects. I'm sitting here like, well, the laundry's caught up on for the first time ever. The the kitchen is more or less being maintained. Uh, I've cleaned up my gear area pretty well, and I'm working on projects in there, but. I'll go insane if I do nothing but work in gear projects. Um, yeah. Then my gear projects will start feeling like work. So like what else is there to do? And this is also like after like after hours when I'm not spending time playing with the family and doing board games and stuff like that. Yeah. It feels like we want to get into our topic pretty early. It feels, it feels like that topic is just kind of it's top of mind. It is just kind of staring at us in the face. So. Well, then let's go ahead and talk about our uh, our lovely sponsors. Let's do it. So uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. They make, uh, you, you can get their pre-made, pre-designed, or you can customize uh, your cables. Uh, it's wild the amount of customization you can do. You can choose uh, which exact plugs you want, which wire type slash cable type you want, what color tech flex you want. Um, so I reached out to them to get a new aux cable, uh, for my, my demo rig. Cause my, my older one was just kaput. So now I have this, uh, beautiful, uh, lavender tech flex wrapped, uh, aux, six foot aux cable. And everyone knows six feet is the magical distance now. So that's pretty cool. But basically with that, and, uh, an aux extender I had previously bought from them, I can, uh, it just makes my rig possible <laughs> right now and a lot easier. Uh, and I'm so, so, so stoked on it. And if you got an email from Sinusoid this week where they mentioned aux cables, that is my exact aux cable that was photographed and put into that uh, email. I love, it when that, I love it when that happens. It makes me laugh. Oh, that one looks super sweet. 
slightly yeah. jealous. I don't I don't even have a need for an aux cable right now and I'm like just staring at it going, Wow, I, I need that. They have that effect on people. And uh Sinusoids local to Seattle, great people. Um I know that you and I are both very close with them as a company. Yeah, I, I, I could not say enough nice things about them, regardless of my personal like friendships with all of them, but I don't typically take time to be f- this is like, I don't know how to say this without sounding like really mean about like how selective I am with friends, but the reality of adult life is I've only got so much time to give to certain people yeah. and far and above uh, of the people I know in Seattle, that that's definitely on top of my list of people I love spending time with. Yeah, totally. So, and our other sponsor for today, uh, I think the sponsorship ad role is going to like roll right into our topic because it's. I mean, it's really what I was working on last night. Um, yeah. So I've got this project. I had this Ibanez double cut guitar that it was loaded with Lambertone's Kramas for a while, um, about a year. And it just really loved how they sounded. I love the pickup so much that I ended up um, sending them over to Chad Jennings to put in my Jennings build. And so I'm staring at this guitar thinking, wow, it's got no pickups in it. That's a problem. And I was looking at offloading a couple of guitars. One of the guitars I was looking to sell uh, was loaded with a set of Seymour Duncan hot rotted humbuckers. And I was like, you know, I should probably pull that out before I sell the guitar. I was actually really like that set of humbuckers and I want to use it for something. Right. So I pulled it out, tried to throw it in this Ibanez, realized I didn't have the right screws for it, which is slightly awkward. Um, and then I was like, well, I'm going to have to order some screws. And then while I was waiting for the screws to come in, I was like, you know what? I don't have any guitars right now that are tuned for drop tuning. And I've got, um, with the Jennings, that means I've got a total of four electric guitars that I all, that I like pretty well. And I'm like, why do I need four that are in standard tuning? If I've already got one, that's got the dual humbucker set up anyways, what if I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get some heavy strings. I'm going to throw it into drop tuning. Nice. So I went out to the store and I bought some heavy strings um, but I like the only like set of heavy strings I could really find it at the guitar center I was at. And I was like, well, I guess I'll settle. And then I realized I was going to need to file down the nut to make this happen. And so right. I started having this thought of, well, do I want to file down the nut to match a set of strings that I don't necessarily, that I know I probably won't like that much. And I'll end up searching for new strings later anyways. Then out of the blue, uh, Scott from Stringjoy reached out to me. He's like, yo, dude, what are you doing with those cheap strings? Let me help you out here. Uh, you're Just trust me on this. So not, so not so out of the blue. I had talked to him. Okay, so it wasn't super out of the blue. But for me, someone who's sitting in the middle of this project on the back burner going, I don't know what I'm going to get to this. I don't want to know what I'm going to do next. And kind of just, it seems like a really silly problem to have. But I mean, honestly, I haven't played drop tuning in a while, didn't really know what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being totally honest and I wasn't sure what I wanted to settle in for this guitar. And so talked to Scott, got it all hammered out. And um, yeah, so I got the strings yesterday. I did the terrible thing of opening them up right away. Um, well, I, no, I got them a couple days ago, but I did open them up like the moment they came inside the house. I couldn't wait. So hopefully that wasn't a deadly decision. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah. Anyway, so I've got I've got three three sets of strings. I uh, already pulled them out, checked them out. Could be happier with them um, already, and I'm very they just feel good. 
and I started started on this project the springs and the the I managed to get the pickups loaded and I'm working on filing down the net and the only barrier I think I've got left to really hurdle is I think I need to actually like drill out my bridge to accommodate the uh, the low E string because it just oh. ever so slightly doesn't fit my little bridge. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I've got a it's a two piece bridge, and oh, I've got the bridge piece right over here. I can read um, exactly what bridge it is. This is the Ibanez Quick Change Three, and so it's got this really neat. Um, I actually really love this two piece bridge. Um, not only are the saddle pieces super ergonomic and like super friendly, but the the tail piece is um, actually like really friendly as well. Um, but I'm gonna need to drill the sucker out to accommodate that low E for sure. Or it's not gonna be low E; it's gonna be a low C. I'm tuning to drop C, and y'all can judge me all you want for being uh, a fan of metalcore, but I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> going for it. Jeez. A lot of metalcore goes even lower, but drop C is kind of like my sweet spot. Okay. So, yeah, I'm excited. I I don't know if I'm just going to literally break out the drill bits and just go to town on this bridge or if I'm going to figure out a more sophisticated way of whittling this down. Yeah. But once I get this opened up, um, the, the net's pretty much done at this point. Get it all wired up and I'll be uh, ready to start jamming out some, some sick tunes. Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that sounds All that like to fun. say, thank you to Scott from Stringjoy. You rock. Yeah, he's he's great. And uh, I love the coffee trade he and I have participated in. I'm not enjoying any of it right now. I hope you liked what I sent him last time. Um, you know, I forgot to mention something else new that I'm trying. And I don't know, this might kind of go into projects, but um, it definitely goes into everyone being stuck at home. <clears throat> So, uh, I, and I hope that you, you do this as well at like a couple, you know, I, I hope that we can both take advantage. Okay. I'll just Instagram live. People have opinions. Everyone seems to be doing right now. Yeah. Uh, so I reached out to some guitarist friends of mine because this actually came out of a, a conversation I'd had with uh, Layla city who, you know, she's got a bad cold right now. So she's wasn't able to be one of the first participants, but I was like, what if we go on Facebook live and like, we teach each other guitar riffs because she's learning guitar. And I had um, over a live video chat uh, several, I guess, back in January uh, had showed her uh, a, a riff and I, that was fun. So we thought maybe we'd do it again, um, but she's been a little sick. So that's not going to happen. Uh, we didn't schedule it out, but then um, I, was talking to some other friends, Mike Adams, um, being a big one and, uh, Steve Selvage from the hold steady. And then I reached out to, to Spencer from Charlie bliss and we're going to try this, uh, dual live stream where, uh, I and another guitarist and hopefully eventually you and maybe some other guitarists, uh, go on this live stream and show each other uh, some guitar riffs. And it's going to be called Insider Riff Trading, which I think you came up with. Thank you. I did. If there's a pun involved, chances are uh, I unfortunately was behind it. You all, you, you basically said you didn't want me to do it if I didn't have uh, – you, you joke that you didn't want me to do it if I didn't have a catchy name. 
no, I, I, I wasn't even joking. I think that that was really important. It, it is important, and I am bad at naming things. It's all part of the fun, and I, I think that's what we're really going for is fun, um, productive or not. I mean, this is a really great time. Um, I mean, talk about not a bad era to be stuck in quarantine in, for being really yeah. honest, because the yeah. the amount of digital connectivity we've got. And I really love that you took, took point on that and are really driving that to make that happen. Yeah, you know, I'm just uh, bored and, uh, you know, selfishly, I, I want to learn some of Steve, Steve Selvich's licks for sure. Going to try to get Tad Kubler as well. Um, so if you're listening to this on the Tuesday where the episode comes out, uh, yesterday should have been the day I, I was live with uh, Spencer from Charlie Bliss. Um, and this Thursday, I'll be live with Mike Adams at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Instagram and I'm going to try to save those um, and try to figure out a way to maybe get them on YouTube or something. If, if it's worth it, but we'll see. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny that you talk live stream. I actually tried live streaming last night uh, as well. I'm trying to figure out. I like out. your multicam setup. Yeah. So I've got, that's one of my pet projects that I've had backburnered for, for like a year now um, is, trying to figure out how to let uh, a multicam setup for streaming into, into the Facebook group. And I don't know if I can do the multicam stream onto Instagram um, just for some limitations that I've got there. I, I might be able to figure it out, but specifically the Facebook group, I was able to do a little bit of a live stream um, multicam setup where I have one camera pointed pretty closely down at the headstock nut area. As you kind of see what was going on, mm -hmm. I can show you the, the closer details and the other camera just showing me talking at you. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun setting that up. I did accidentally, <laughs> this is a fun snafu. So I thought I was live streaming to the podcast page. Um, I was streaming last night, kind of like a dry run. And I got done, finished up and I was like, wow, like I had a couple friends in the podcast group. I didn't realize we're um, in the podcast group. That was really neat. I uh, didn't realize that they were following the show and got done and realized that I was live streaming to my personal Facebook wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not even the group at all? No, I, I must have missed like a checkbox or something. Um, so all my friends and family that uh, – I mean, not that there's anything I had to be terribly embarrassed about. Um, yeah, but that's funny. Was not my intended audience and definitely was like turning a little red last night going, oh – well, all right. Well, here we go. I guess I just, I am who I am. You'll have to deal with the fact that I love guitars. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll get it figured out to get it streamed into the group. Probably start doing that more. So if there's anything you want to see, uh, if you want to see me scraping out the cast iron, I can do that. If you want to see me, I've got uh, one of my other projects right now is I've got this board build I need to solder up um, and run power for. So if you want to see me do that, I mean, any number of things. Cool. Join the group. We'll have some fun. I'll probably start scheduling these out instead of just spontaneously showing up live. So you all yeah. can participate. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried the, the live streaming a few times. It's fun. I, I, have, I have some ideas about what I would like to do next in the, the live streaming on the group. Um, I know reverb.com worked with Berkeley, uh, College of Music to present 
some sort of free, uh, yeah, it's like a free class, free online class, guitar ensemble techniques. Ooh. So, so I was thinking about live streaming me kind of going through that. It's supposed to be a four week course, but, but you look at like lesson four is the 12 bar blues form. So then you're like, well, maybe this is pretty entry level, but I'm interested in like warming up and, uh, you know, seeing, cause it's always good to go back to the basics to see, you know, maybe you have some bad habits that you can break or, you know, you can learn something surprising um, that you might've just glossed over before and completely missed. So I think it's important to go back to basics. I have a bunch of these old, old guitar lesson books that I picked up at um, <clears throat> Powell city of books in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, I go through those from time to time just to, to kind of get through them and to, to learn when I'm, you know, feeling in a rut. Uh, and uh, I, I think books are very, I, I, I love learning from books. So I'm, I've never done one of these online guitar classes. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But also I love whenever somebody posts in one of the Facebook groups about like, where should I go to learn some guitar technique? And my response is always, buy a book <laughs> and uh, nobody ever you, likes. So you literally boss. throw the book at them. Yes. Just go the, throw the book at them, buy a book, just buy a book. Come on. That's how people learn for, for friggin' ever. And uh, not to say that there's not a lot of great stuff like on YouTube and in other places. And uh, like, I think in person is probably better if it's like a structured in person environment versus, you know, even having a book. But uh, I, I feel like if you're just like learning licks off of YouTube, which I do quite a lot, uh, there's, there's maybe some why behind it that you're missing. Mm -hmm. so. You know, it's funny you're talking about um, uh, training and learning and whatnot. I, I heard the uh, the rumor on the street, if you will, is that Fender Play is offering their uh, platform for free. Yeah, for if you've never used it before. Which I personally haven't, and I'm wondering if I should. You should. I mean, I, I think I had done a free trial months ago, so I'm not eligible for it, but you should do it, and you should tell me what you think. But I think... I think it. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I really like the idea of it. I just I've heard I just nothing but good things. Yeah, I know that. Like the big thing is you learn. You can learn popular songs, but I know that Mike Adams did some videos. Our friend Mike Adams did some videos about uh, like the the like learning your way around a jazz master's um, controls and stuff like that. He is such a beast. I, I really actually like. I loved watching those videos. It put such a huge smile on my face. Yeah. You can tell that he's just, he's in his element. He loves every moment of it. It's not one of those, all right, so I'm being, my agent told me to show up here and I'm being paid to, to do this video. So here's that. He's like, let me tell you about jazz masters. It just like the, the, the vibe that you get from the tone of his voice, the look on his, I mean, all of that. He's just, ah, uh, yeah. I just love when I can tell that someone's very much in their element and it just feels so natural. And totally. That's like me talking about my cat. I also just miss Mike and I still feel bad that I missed him when he was in town last, but yeah, that was oh. fun. Yeah. yeah. Need another one of those signature Mike Adams hugs. 
Oh, yeah, he's a good hugger. Oh, but what's what's uh what have I been working on? I guess yeah. I not. I guess that's something. I I've I go through phases with with my recording rig where um I've just never really had a permanent setup for it. So I'll like have a kind of quasi setup and I'll have like this burst of productivity and do a bunch of stuff. But I think I've figured out a way to kind of make my setup a little more permanent in this quarantine uh, at my work desk. Because uh, I don't think I've actually even done much recording to Studio One, which is my doll or whatever. Um, and like I don't think I've done much of that since I started working from home. So I've uh, kind of reset that up. Uh, I got like... DI for my milkman into a foc- the focus rate scarlet I bought off of you a while back um with my cut co- with a covenant cable so you nice. can sign <clears throat> and uh I there's uh I've just recorded some things my my friends having uh, a baby and he sent me uh some audio of the baby's heartbeat so I used that as like the rhythm track for something and I wrote a little like for him I've done a couple things that I've sent to my band to see, you know, he was kind of working through ideas uh, out of boredom. And there's this band uh, based out of Seattle called Deep Sea Diver. And uh, they're doing this thing called Stay Home Stems. And they're every week they're releasing uh, a stem, just one track, one, if you want to think about it, uh, if you're not familiar with audio, you know, recording a stem is just like one track one layer uh and in this case they sent a a drum track and like you can use all of it you can loop it you can cut it up uh you just have to use it in some way and then you submit it to them and uh on sundays they live stream and they they're gonna play like one or a few of their favorites um and if you want they'll add whatever they want to it so I, I did that on uh on Friday. I just sat down, did some acoustic guitar stuff, uh pulled out my baritone guitar, uh leaned really heavy into that S that boss SY1 synth pedal. Um and I was really proud of what I did, like just to be able to do it and there were parts in it that I liked. Like the whole thing itself is like a very rough draft, but I know there's gonna be things from that that I can pull later. It's like the the thing about creating, especially in times like this, uh, especially to make yourself not feel like ass for, you know, not creating a great thing, is that um, creativity is a muscle and you have to use it to make it stronger. And sometimes, and I talked about this with, with um, Charlie Bliss, sometimes you're writing something uh, and, uh, you know, you, you have to just like burn through these ideas because you can create a lot of rough drafts. And then ultimately realize that what you were trying to do is write the finished song at the end of it. So it's like Elvis Costello wrote several songs, um, Stranger in the House, Imagination is a Powerful Deceiver, that later he looked back and he he was like, I was trying to write Allison. And it was before he wrote Allison. So he he wrote all these other songs that are still very, very good um, as, as part of the process of writing, you know, his flagship song. Yeah, I definitely feel the whole like writing as muscle thing. Um, I actually, yeah. I before I, um, so I've been working on this board build for a while, and before I settled in on the, 
on the order that uh, the the signal chain order. I uh, set it all all um, most of the pedals up my workbench, chained them together, and um, had a little fun recording session. I ended up making some wacky sounds, and but like I found myself super frustrated for like the first hour of like nothing I do sounds right. I feel like I'm hitting notes and it's not coming out the way it sounds in my head. And like once I, it took me a little bit to sell into the groove. I'm like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Um, I mean, but I always hate being reminded yeah. of the whole that I haven't exercised the muscle and finding myself frustrated. Like I've got this idea in my head and I know that I can do it with like the guitar I've got and the, the combination of pedals that I've got to be able to create that sound. And it doesn't happen the first time around. I'm like, ah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it can be really frustrating because, uh, like it's, it's, there's that, that really famous Ira, Ira glass quote. That's like, you, you, you want to write and you don't have, like, you haven't stretched the muscle. You haven't really worked it. You're maybe, maybe just, maybe your just skills aren't quite as sharp as you want them to be, but your taste is still killer. So you look at what you create and you think that's terrible. Right. And, and that's, and that's not the way to look. And it's a normal reaction to have. It's a very, very valid feeling to feel, but it's not a helpful thing to hold on to. Uh, what would be more helpful would would just be to you know practice more. It's like it's like going for a run for the first time in a year. It sucks, but if you do it every day, just a little bit every day, even uh, eventually you're going to get there. Like I remember the first time, well, basically every time I take up running again, I do this program called Couch to Five K, and it's like an eight week program. Yeah, and it starts. It's yeah. Is that it the Hal Higdon? I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of them, but, um, I, I have actually couched to, to 10 K, um, is the one that I bought and that has the 5 K, but it literally starts with your, it's an interval training and you run for like 10 seconds and you walk for 60, but you're moving. And then eventually you're going to find yourself running 50, like, uh, like an hour a day, just straight at a 10 mile per hour pace. And that's the goal, but you don't get there right away. You get there 16 weeks later. Right. Right. Well, I'm probably going to feel that way. Uh, as I start working through soldering the patches for my board build. Oh yeah. Soldering is another one of those things. So, um, I have a really bad habit of just chewing up soldering iron tips. Yeah. Um, and just not taking care, care of them very well and needing to replace them. Yeah, I go, I go, I, I, when I first bought my newest soldering iron, I forgot to leave um, some solder on the tip and it just completely, like the tip just stopped working. So then I had to buy, and you have to use the Weller tips now. So yeah. I bought a bunch of extras. Like I just was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to screw these all up. I'm going to just buy a 20. So I, I had. The Weller tip I've been slowly chewing away at, and it's just like, you know what? Before I start digging into this project, I should get myself a couple more of these. So I went order a couple more. They showed up, and they're totally not the right the right size. I did that too. I'm like, what the hell? Because it's it said like on the Amazon listing or whatever. I feel like it said that they were for use with Weller tips, and so then I just had to buy the actual Weller branded ones that. 
Well, so I ordered like Weller brand from Home Depot and it just must be for a different class of soldering irons because it's super tiny versus like Uh the the solder iron that I've got the the tip for it's got like this like one inch like uh, long barrel that's like pretty like thick like thickness of a pencil. Yeah, it's like a really hefty tip. Um, uh, Anyways, I I'm probably going to. Probably oh, gonna. And, and sorry, in that moment, I was very sad that Louise wasn't on with us this week. I know. I. Well, anyways, moving on into cleaner discussion, I, I was gonna take a whack using the old feed <laughs> up tip. Uh, there's just no good way to say this. So I, I, the tips still it, like it's not completely busted. It should still get hot, and um. It's not like I'm soldering a PCB, so I think I can get away with um, it not being in top condition, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, I've got this board that – so I've got the board like all uh, dual locked up. I did finally make the transition to dual lock um, and really should have done that a long time ago. So the board's already like set together. Uh, all the – all of the uh, – um, the patch ends are in the, the pedals itself. And so it's just a matter of, I need a route power, um, with some good cable management. And then I've got to route the, uh, um, start cutting up and soldering the patch cables. So that's probably going to be a pretty solid few handful of evenings before that's ready to start plug in and test. Well, good on you for caring enough about how your pedals look to do that because I, yeah, no, that's not something I've ever done. <laughs> Well, so it's the only way for me to get this many pedals on this tiny little board. So the the board itself is an IKEA cutting board, right? And I got it like a, this is again like the theme of like the last couple of weeks is oh I've had tons of projects on the back burner and suddenly I have time to start um start working on them, mm-hmm. and so I've had this project for a while and um, I've laid out pedals on this board so many times to try to figure out what I wanted how I'm going to do this. And um, I've always just scrapped it, gone back to the drawing board. And now that I'm here, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it. And so I spent like a week, like rearranging and Tetrising and trying to figure out how I can most efficiently do this mm-hmm. and finally have it down. Um, pretty stinking neat and tidy. Uh, so far, we'll see if I can keep my, ma- uh, my cable management the same uh, on the same level of neat and tidy. But so let me walk you through the signal chain here. Okay. So right up front, Boss TU3. Important. I think that used to be mine. It did used to be yours, and yeah. uh, we traded tuners for it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I think I sold you my tuner first, and then I bought your tuner next, like for the exact same price. Same price, exact same price. Like a couple weeks apart. Uh, yeah. So uh, TU3, and then I've got um, uh, DOD compressor, the orange, I think it's the 280. Um, shoot, I, I'm I I'm staring at it, but I can't quite read it from here. Um, anyway, so we've got that, um, then up next is the King of Tone and I haven't decided how I'm going to set the internal dip switches, but I'm thinking it's going to be, uh, I can't make up my mind yet, but I'll figure it out. And I'm probably going to change my mind after I'm done soldering the whole thing together and changing mm-hmm. it around. But the, cause the King of Tone's got the internal, um, dip switches where you can set it as a boost and overdrive or a distortion. Oh, don't, I, don't, don't make it a boost. That's my, that's my vote. 
Well, it sounds really good as a boost, but the next pedal in the chain is the Mount Hood, and the the boost on um, the Andrew side of that boost sounds just so perfect. Isn't always on boost, and mm-hmm. I I know that some of some of the purists will hate me for saying this, but I actually like it as a boost better than the King of Tone as a all, all uh, always on boost. There's nothing wrong with that feeling. Really love it's that. Our, it's, it's our pedal, and our friend Brian made it, and he's very good at making boosts. Well, and I'm I'm a little partial just given that it's the Andrew side, but I digress. Uh, the other half of that is the fuzz. So that's got my fuzz ground covered, and as versatile as that fuzz is, it covers more or less everything I would want out of the fuzz. Um, and then I've got uh, the Meso Effects Ohm V2, which is an overdrive. I can get pretty crunchy, but it doesn't get into the distortion end of things. And so I'm thinking I'm definitely going to set one side of the King of Tone to distortion. And I just haven't decided if I want the other one to be boost or I might set it as just like a clean solo boost, or I might set it as just an overdrive for another stage. Mm-hmm. Not sure yet. Um, and then from there goes into a mini Dunlop volume. And then from there it goes into the Strymon Iridium. And I know this is going to sound really silly for a place in the signal chain, but I'm putting it, I'm utilizing it as an um, AB switch as well as um, intentionally setting it before the, um, before the wet effects in my chain. I mean, that's a normal way to use it. Well, so a lot of people um, don't, I don't know. I've seen like mixed reviews on it, but I, I went and tried it for myself. And this is the big part that I wanted to, to test in my signal chain before I committed to, um, the board layout is, um, how does, does it sound really bad with what effects after or does it sound similar or does it sound better? And I, um, honestly think it sounds a little bit better for what I'm doing with it. And the reason why is one of the effects that I have in my chain, um, in my wet effects chain is, uh, uh, polyphonic, uh, is the organizer mm-hmm. and putting it after the cab sim allows it to get still carry through that much more range. Whereas if yeah. you put it before the cab sim, especially those lower frequencies are going to get curtailed a little bit. Uh, and so it's allowing me to just achieve this absolute massive wall of sound in my headphones when I'm practicing mm-hmm. at home. And one of these days when I get to go play out somewhere, I'm sure it'll be fairly similar. It'll be the, the bane of the existence of every sound guy ever. They can, they can control <laughs> it themselves. Um, yeah. anyway, so it's going into, Iridium, and then I can use output B if I just want to go um, direct out for a dry, um, for a dry sound if I want to do a wet dry or a wet dry wet. So that's where I'm getting my dry sound, and that's also if I'm going to listen with headphones, that's what I've um, directly from the Iridium. That's how I can um, – that I'm just going to hear my dry, uh, dry sounds, which I'm right. pretty okay with. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> And, and you well, have that, that that has that room at least knob, so at least you're getting a sense of space. Oh yeah, the room knob does sound really good. So I, in it, so I've got that. Um, if I ever want to, if I am ever in a pinch and want to use that to monitor on stage, that also gives. I actually prefer. So when I, uh, I'm going all over the place in this explanation of this rig rundown. And in the past, when I've done a silent stage setup for a wet dry or a wet dry wet rig. Uh, I've actually tended to uh, dial out my uh, my wet tones in my in ears, 
and stuck mostly the, to the dry because I can hear more of what I'm playing and just trust the sound. Uh, whatever I have in my ears doesn't reflect what's in house. So I kind of just trust the sound guy to blend the wet and the dry appropriately. Yeah. Um, and so if I am ever in a pinch and I need to monitor direct on stage from the Iridium, um, I'm actually pretty okay that it doesn't have the, the wet effects in there. It's, we're in an age where all the pedals, all of my wet effects have LEDs. They've got the, um, two of them have tap tempos on there. So I know exactly where I'm at with that. And I don't need to hear, oh, wait, my tempo's wrong. Like I, I know exactly where it's at visually. That's good enough yeah. for me. Good. So, um, so, so the Iridium goes into the, the organizer, uh, polyphonic, um, into the Ibanez DE7. And I typically set this one as a slap back delay. Um, but there's so many different things you can do with this. Um, it's got an analog and a digital sound. Both of them sound phenomenal. And it really just depends on the set I'd be playing. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, it's going to split into stereo into the um, Earthquaker Devices Pyramids. Oh, the Pyramids first. Okay. Pyramids first. Um and I, this is one of the other things where I was really going back and forth on, do I want the pyramids before or after delays? But because it's, uh, I love the stereo spread on the pyramids. It's just absolutely massive sounding, um, which means I couldn't put it before the DE7. But because I typically use the DE7 as a slap back delay anyways, that's, uh, I'm pretty okay with that. Um, mm -hmm. Being sandwiched between my two delays and it actually sounds pretty decent. Um, so the stereo spread in the, the pyramids, pyramids is, uh, is a, a DSP based flanger. It's got a range of sounds and algorithms in it and does, it's kind of like, um, I'm able to get everything, um, from like a really light, easygoing chorus to like some really wacky out of this world flange sounds. And so it kind of just is my Swiss army knife of modulation, um, and then from there it goes in the avalanche run. And right now I've got it set for the avalanche run to be controlled by uh, DOD expression pedal, um, which is currently at the end of the board. Um, and that's going to be for delay reverb and the expression can be set to change any number of things, but probably while I've got the board set up like this, we'll be tr um, doing the mix for the reverb uh -huh. um, because I don't have a dedicated reverb pedal. But this right. is where um, I know that the DO, the uh, DOD expression is temporary because I'm doing one of two things moving forward to kind of cap off this build long term. Um, and I say long term knowing full well that that's such a lie. Uh, but I'll either swap it out for uh, an RV5, preferably. Uh, just a really good standard tried and true uh, reverb pedal. I, I don't. For a guy that loves ambient kind of sounds as much as I do, I get most of that out of my delays and I've never really dug too deep into to the reverb side of things. I know I probably should at some point, but I'd be pretty happy with just a pretty standard RV5. Or because I'm already fairly okay with the, um, not just okay, I'm actually really pretty pl um, pleasantly happy with the uh, the plate reverb that's in the Avalanche run, I'd go for something a little bit wackier and I'm trying to get my hands on a PN2, which for those of you who don't know is the Vosh <laughs> Tremolo that came before the, uh, the, the TR2, which, and it was stereo. So it does a full stereo pan effect, which having at the end of a stereo chain means you get this full choppy side to side 
seasick motion that I just seriously love. It's pretty cool. Uh, but having that at the end of the chain with all of the stuff that's going on, as well as having a dry out not affected by that, means I could do a wet, dry, wet setup where I've got the the dry front and center and then the, the wets are just panned left and right. Or the, the, uh-huh. the stereo wets are panned hard left and right and getting that full seasick motion. I'd have yeah. way too much fun with that. Wow. That's a lot. Anyways. All of this is like on a tiny little cutting board and it's like super sandwiched in. So this will be fun to try and uh, cable manage. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot more on your board than I do. (laughs) Well, a lot of my pedals are like single use items and a lot of what you've got are more Swiss army knives. Um, I've really only got the, the couple of them that are Swiss army knives. um, If you count the, the avalanche run. Well, what I have is I have my Polytune Noir going into my Gale by Spruce Effects, going into my SY1, going into my Volume Pedal, going into my Halberd, uh, which is a medium gain overdrive. Uh, right now, I have the Nude on the board for some reason, and that goes into my Delavid Foster Wallace, which goes into my Milkman, which has both Reverb and Tremolo. Uh, that's my whole rig. Yeah. But I was thinking I would, because um, I have space for it. I got this um, this boost from Abominable, Abominable Pedals out of Seattle. I ordered it. I don't think it's coming yet. Um, it's a cat, and it's just a very loud boost. <laughs> it's called Cat Dirt. So I was thinking about putting that after the Halberd for um, my solos, because like, I, I usually stomp the gale when it's time for the solo, but um, I don't think my singer is super-duper into, like, the fuzz. So Aww. I'll probably just, it's fine. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't suit every genre of music. I really only use it. It's quite a pedal to only be using for like as a, as a boost before a solo. So, um, I'm probably going to rearrange the board a little bit because she loves the SY one sound. And I'm, I, I feel that. So that might free up room to do some, have something else that's weird up there. Perhaps like, Something more textural, because I think that would be more uh, in line with the, the the indie dream pop vibe that we have. Um, yeah, so I I I'm not gonna lie. I bought the uh, I ordered the cat dirt from Abominable Petals because it had a cat on it. No, yeah, nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And I've been wanting to get something from them because. They like their designs, like aesthetically, I really, really dig. Well, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with cats. This is a general. I think so. I think so. Unless you try to pet their bellies and then you go very wrong very quickly. Oh, my cats have just been like loving having everybody home all the time. Yeah. Cats are more social than people think they are. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm used to like. They almost act like dogs that come home from work and they're like, oh, humans. Yeah. Um, like, oh, interesting thing. But I mean, they kind of, they still just follow us around, but I think uh, around the house, I, they just, they seem happier than they typically are. Uh, and Poppy's definitely been snuggling up at night a lot more lately. And, Aww. And it's just, oh, it's so cute when you just wake up and you've got like, 
I mean, she's not a big cat at all. She's super tiny and just like she's tiny, like Carrie. curled up in a ball. Yeah. Um, like kind of like uh, this morning I woke up and she's like curled up in a ball, like on my tummy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cute. Yeah, she uh, Carrie has been, you know, quite a Velcro cat. Weirdly, since like Rick's been home, also, but uh, she has her days where she just like will not leave you alone and she will keep coming up into the bedroom and just, she won't meow at you or bother you. She just literally will stare at you. Be like, I, Hey, I'm over here. I need attention. Like she's so patient. It's wild. She's really only impatient when I'm in the kitchen cooking and she does not like that at all. And I've been doing a lot more of that. So she is, you know, losing her damn mind about it. I don't know about you, but I've been cooking a lot more. Um, yeah, we've been doing a decent job keeping up with cooking. Uh, I have been trying to at least once a week getting a takeout uh, from specifically uh, any uh, Asian family restaurants. Owned. Yeah, Family-owned Asian restaurants, yeah. So I uh, went to a teriyaki place near my house yesterday and got like a really big order. Uh, with the intention of having leftovers. And mm-hmm. uh, the guy was like, yeah, you're the second person I've seen all day. I'm like, it's five uh, o'clock on a Saturday. Yikes. Geez. Gosh. So. I Yeah, I've been trying to do local uh, neighborhood takeout twice a week. Um, but, like, I, I can't eat most Asian cuisine anyway. Though, you know, it has nothing to do with coronavirus or anything like that. I'm just, I have a soy allergy. So I feel bad that I can't, you know, do that. Well, doing what I, I can. Know not all, I know not all Chinese food is like has soy, but most of it does. Well, when you're when you got allergies, that's not something you want to play around with, and I certainly can't fault you for that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, ultimately, it's your loss. So yeah, it's my 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 hardship, my my cross to bear, I guess. <laughs> yeah so um oh can i tell you something really weird that happened sure let me i have to i have to look up the name because uh so i you know we have the the online store it's drop shipping uh so if you go to getoffset.com slash shop that's not stuff that we have in stock it's something that um this company called printful then makes and sends to you and we uh keep most of that money um but we have to you know, it's a little more, we don't get as much in pocket, but you know, it's, it means we don't have to keep stuff. But, um, I was looking and we had a, an order place for a, for fuzz sake dad cap by, uh, a Dan Atore from Morrow, Ohio, which is the tiny ass town that I'm from. And I have no idea who this person is. It's Whoa. wild. So, hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm also from Mara, Ohio. Little Miami class of 2007. Woo. So that uh, kind of blew my mind. If you want, like, let's look at the population of Mara, Ohio. Population. <clears throat> the population Hometown Mara, hero over here. The population of Mara, Ohio is 1,289. That is tiny. Yes, it I is. I That's grew up why in a small I was town. like. That's why I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's amazing. 
like my like the, 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 definitions of a small town are a lot bigger than that. If you want like a little idea about my school district's pop- population density, our school district was a uh, hundred square miles. Yikes. Yeah. Meanwhile, my dad's school population for a more populated school was 10 square miles. So, yeah, uh, that's on that note. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, you can support us at getoffset.com slash shop. We have a store. Uh, you can buy something uh, on our reverb links. So if you go to getoffset.com, uh, getoffsetpodcast.com. And click on, I think it's the support and shop. You can uh, shop Reverb.com via our affiliate link. Uh, there's also a little way to get 10% off at Sinusoid. Uh, there's also a link to our Patreon. Uh, so that's a great way to support us. Or the easiest way to support us is to just leave us a nice uh, review and rating on iTunes. Oh, absolutely. I love, love reading those. Um Nice reviews, constructive feedback reviews. I mean, all of the above by all means. Lay it on. Yeah. There's no, no use in being mean. I liked uh, on YouTube the other day, I got uh, a comment that started with not to be a dick, but, and I was like, is this person about to be a dick? And then the person just made a, you know, a valid point. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. You weren't being a dick. You were just being honest. That would have been more helpful if I had done that one thing. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's just you never hear not to be a dick, but, or like no offense, but without it being followed by somebody being a dick or saying something offensive. You almost <laughs> never hear that. Like, not to be oh. racist, but. Yeah. Imagine saying not to be racist, but, and then saying you should still support Chinese restaurants during this time. Like, <laughs> okay. That wasn't racist. Fantastic. No. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyways, those are all wonderful ways to uh, support the show. Also, join our Facebook group. And if you uh, want to see me scrubbing out a cast iron, not not actually. If you want to ha- spend some time hanging out with me virtually, that's going to be the best place to do it. I'll be mm-hmm. uh, trying to schedule out some sessions. We all hang out as a community, have some fun. And uh, you can watch me uh, royally screw up some solder patches. That sounds exciting. Well, uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. I'm Emily. I'm Andrew. Right, Goodbye. One, Bye. Two, three.